Hey everyone, Josh Case here, your online campus pastor here at Calvary Christian Center. Welcome to our podcast. May today's message bring healing, hope, and ultimately transformation. Hope you enjoy today's message. never get in trouble giving God great praise. I said you're never going to get in trouble praising God like you've lost your mind. Well, there is an anointing in this room today. Can you feel it? I want you while you're standing, grab your Bibles. I feel the anointing. I didn't come to play games today. I am tired of church as usual. I'm tired of religion that's dead. I need an encounter with Jesus this morning and an encounter with his word. Our apostle and Pastor Dawn are taking some time and how many know that's a good thing? You don't want tired or weary leaders. You need rested leaders. And so this morning, we are thankful that they're getting some time. If you're watching, we love you. Hey, let them hear how much you love them real quick, just in case they're watching. I love and honor you, sir. If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. We are in a series called Rooted, series called Rooted. How many know it's important to be rooted in the days we live in? If, if you're not rooted, you're going to get blown by every wind of doctrine. And you're going to get pushed off some things God said and pulled away from some things God promised. You have to be rooted. And if you can be rootful, you can be fruitful. Look at somebody say, get rooted. Yeah. 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 Ooh, I feel like going to work today. Y'all mess with me on the wrong day. Luke chapter 15, verses 8 through 10. That's my assignment this morning. This is the word of the Lord. Are you ready to receive it? Say amen. amen. This is what the word of the Lord says. Red letters, Jesus is speaking, and this is what he declares. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I have lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of angels. Oh, hallelujah. Of God over one sinner who repents I read three verses I really need one let me read it again verse 8 or what woman having ten silver coins if she loses one coin does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it the Holy Ghost told me to tell you that some of you are not able to be rooted because of some stuff you've lost so the Holy Ghost sent this preacher in here for the next few minutes to tell you that God sent me to tell you that you got to sweep 
the house. Let me pray and I'll preach. Father, I thank you for what I sense. I've sensed your presence and your anointing, and I cherish it. Father, Lord, it's no good for me to stand up here if you don't preach it through me and preach it with me. We don't need a word from a man. We need a word from God. Speak now until pain turns to power and tragedy turns to triumph. Sweep this house, Holy Ghost, and have your way in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. You can be seated. And as you're seated, just look at somebody and say, sweep the house. Sweep the house. Before I get into the content of this message, I must be careful to make sure I give you the context to this message. For content without context leads to confusion. Did you hear what I said? Content without context leads to confusion. And so before this morning, I can give you the content of the sermon let me stop for a moment and give you the context. Because if I had to give you the onset of the context of this text, I would not have to be in Luke. I would actually have to go to John. John 3, 16. One of the most famous and infamous passages in all of Scripture. Some of us came to know Jesus because of John 3, 16. That says, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son or sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The first thing God wanted you to know, watch this, about the nature of his son is that his son is indeed a savior. Y'all way too quiet on a Sunday morning. But if you can't get past that, you got ready to move on to greater revelation. Because God didn't send somebody who wasn't going to be able to save you. He didn't send something that wasn't going to be able to save you. But when it got time to giving you what you would need so you could have relationship with God, He didn't send us something. He sent His Son and Jesus is a Savior. And there are some of us in this room that can testify this morning, He's a mighty good Savior. Oh, come on, church. Is there anybody in the room that can testify that he's a mighty good Savior? That if you would have been left up to your own devices, you would still be addicted and still be a mess. You would still be struggling and in pain. But God knew what we needed when he gave us his son. And Jesus is my Savior. He is a mighty good Savior. But the Bible doesn't leave it at just the idea that he is my Savior. The Bible also declares that Jesus, who is the Savior, came to seek and to save. He's not just a Savior. He is a seeking Savior. That might not be for everybody, but I need to know that. Because there were some things I got myself in. That I couldn't get myself out of. I wish I had some real people. There were some decisions I made that I couldn't find a direction out of but aren't you thankful that when you couldn't get to Jesus uh, Jesus came right there to where you were aren't you thankful when you were standing there lost uh, and in the dark uh, and you didn't know what to do or what to say the seeking Savior says just stay right there I'm going to make my way to you and I don't care what hell throws at me I don't care the darkness that's in front of you I am the Savior that can overcome every obstacle and every barrier and I 
I can rescue my kids. Is there anybody thankful, not just for a Savior, but for a Savior that can seek and find? Some of y'all are way too religious. You're sitting there like you did it yourself. You didn't do anything concerning your Had not been for the Savior who came right to where you were, picked you up out of a miry clay, and set your feet on a rock, He saved you and sought you when He saved you. Am I preaching to anybody? He is the Savior, which means the fact that He is seeking to save tells me that God is into value. And that God looks at humanity with a high price and a high value. You are valuable to God. I don't care what people have said about you. I don't care the abuse that has come from the words of men or women. I came to crush the lie of the enemy and tell you, you are valuable to God. There is a great price. Uh, there is a great value with which God sees humanity. How do you know it? Because Jesus didn't pay some. He didn't pay half. Come on, somebody. He didn't pay three quarters. Uh, the Bible is very clear that when Jesus paid the price, uh, he paid it all. And to all, I owe. Come on, is there anybody one more time in this room that can thank God uh, that when it came to the price uh, to get you back in relationship with God, he took stripes on his back. He took a crown of thorns on his head. He took nails in his hands and nails in his feet hung on a cross and said it is finished and he bought me back with a price. I am valuable to God. God is in the value. He's in the price. But please know, none of that makes sense until you finish the verse because he didn't just come to seek and save. He came to seek and save that which was lost. I've heard people over the years use, this, use the phrase and say some stuff like this. Boy, I'm glad I found God. I found God, Pastor Josh, in 1992. I found the Lord in 1997. The only problem with that is you can't find God because God was never lost. It was you who was lost. You don't find God. God finds you. God finds you. God finds you and you and you. He finds us. He comes to seek and to save that which is lost. Well, Pastor Josh, now that you've given me the context, how does it relate to the content? Because everything in Luke 15 is about a seeking Savior finding that which is lost. And there are many different levels and layers to finding that which is lost. Because if you read the first few verses, the first seven verses in Luke 15, you will find that he is trying to find a lost sheep that's out in the wilderness. Because God will go into the world and find what's lost. Then you have the back half of my text, which is about a story called the prodigal son, teaching us that God wants to seek and save that thing that's in the family. Hey, mom and dad, 
Don't you worry one bit. God knows how to find your kid. Oh, that, that was a good chance for a mama to shout. That was a good chance for that. You don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I've tried everything, Pastor Josh, to get my kids to serve Jesus. I got some news here. Take the pressure off yourself. Turn them over to Jesus and let Jesus hunt them jokers down until they give their heart back to him. He knows where they are. Yes, you pray for them. Yes, you call them. Yes, you text them. Yes, you live that life in front of them. But at the end of the day, for every area you fall short, that's not a job for you. That's a job for Jesus. And he knows where your children are. The text I bring before you is not him saving that which is in the world or that which is in the family. This text, he is seeking to save that which is lost. Watch this. In the house. Which tells me that you can be in the house. Listening to the worship. Raising your hands. Amen in the preacher. You can be sitting in here and still be lost. You, you can be in this room and declare your love for Jesus and still be suffering through church hurt. You can be in this room and praising God and putting your Christian mask on for a few minutes and be under struggling and hurting because of something somebody did or somebody said. You can be in the house and at the fringe. This text is a text of him redeeming and saving the thing that is lost in the house. Which means the impact of this text starts with a woman who Jesus begins to speak about who says to herself, before I can search for what is lost, I must be acquainted with the inventory I already have. Oh, am I helping anybody this morning? Because before you can ever recover all, you have to take inventory. The reason why some of us are not getting back what we lost and we're not recovering what the enemy stole is because we have not stopped long enough in the tragedy and the torment and the pain to take inventory of what remains. Because God always uses what remains. Are you hearing me? When God wants to do a miracle, he will use what's left, not what left. And you have to stop long enough to take inventory of what you have. And the Holy, I feel like preaching. And the Holy Ghost told me to come in this room and tell you that despite what the devil said, and despite what those demons have been whispering, you still got some stuff left. Am I preaching to anybody? I know he tried to steal your joy and he tried to steal your peace. Uh, he tried to take your happiness. But guess what? If you look closely, you still got a praise and a hallelujah and a thank you, Jesus. Uh, and it's not about what walked out on you. It's about what still remains within you. That's where the miracle happens. 
Well, you don't know my trauma. You don't know my pain. You don't know what I've been through. No, I don't. But let me tell you something. The presence of God is the place that fixes all pain. If you're going to try to get the answers outside of him, you will still search and you will still wonder. But if you can ever get your mind set on Jesus, Jesus' presence is the place you find the stuff you thought was lost. She said, I'm going to take some inventory. I know I have some stuff. Can I go deeper? She starts by saying, if I don't take inventory, then I am vulnerable to theft. If you don't know what you have, you won't know when it's gone. She says, if I don't learn how to stop long enough and take a look at what I have, I won't know what it's gone, and I am subject to something being stolen. But worse than something being stolen is when you sabotage it yourself. Because some of us, it's not the enemy stealing it. It is our perverted idea of the way something should be that is stealing the realness of what God has provided. Let me show you what I mean. Some of us, some of us have a messed up idea of family because we never saw what family was supposed to be. We have a messed up idea of relationships because we've never seen what a good relationship really is. We have normalized a terrible marriage because we don't know what a good marriage is supposed to look like. And we have succumbed to the idea that if it looked like that with my daddy and if it looked like that with my mama and it was like that in my grandparents, then maybe that's just the way it was supposed to be. But I came to tell you that the devil is a liar. Just because it was like that with them doesn't mean it has to be like that with you. Just because they went through it doesn't mean you have to go through it. So in the name of Jesus, I declare good marriages to every married person. I declare great families because we ain't going to get this thing by might or by power but by the spirit of God showing us what it should be yeah part of your prayer life should be God show me what it should be part of your hallelujah should be God show me what it should be show me the right way show me your way show me the intention and while you're showing me go ahead and break off every generational curse so I don't have to keep dealing with the junk while I'm figuring out what it should be am I preaching to anybody This woman is taking inventory and she realizes that perhaps her perspective has become perverted. She doesn't understand real value the way value should be. And so the Bible says this woman, knowing what she had and knowing what she lost, she starts down a journey, watch this, towards understanding true and real value. Some of y'all ain't ready for this today because some of you like to shout over top your dysfunction every Sunday and you trying to fix the stuff above the surface without ever letting God go below the surface and deal with the root of the issue. You are asking God to fix the symptoms when he is trying to deal with the source. 
So in true Pentecostal form, I'm going to give you three points and I'm going to get out your way. Amen. Because the first level of value that needs to be seen in this text is one of individual value. The text said, what woman having ten coins loses one? One is a powerful number to God. You have to know in this room before I go any further, you have to know how much God values the number one, how much he values individuality. There is nobody in this room with the same set of DNA. There's nobody with the same fingerprint. You are unique to you because God values one. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm unique. And some of the people look back and said, I know you are. Mm -hmm, yeah. Individual value matters to God. God values the number one. Well, how do you know that? How do you know that God values one? Because when God got ready to start all of mankind, he started with one man named Adam. When God got ready to start a nation called Israel, he didn't get a bunch of people together. He started it with one man named Abraham. When God got ready to deliver people from the flood, he didn't get a conglomerate of boat makers together. He gathered one man named Noah. Come on, y'all. And Scott, oh, hallelujah, this thing built. When God got ready to deliver the children of Israel out of bondage, uh, he didn't get a whole nation together. He got one man named Moses together. And when God got ready to save the world, he didn't send angels, plural. He sent one man, Jesus, to redeem your soul. Because when God gets ready to do something big it always starts with one what am I trying to tell you that God is about to do something big and he's looking to use you God is about to do something great in your community your family your job and he's looking for you you say well I'm looking at somebody else that's not where God's eyes are this morning he is still looking at you because God values one God values one. He values one man. You are valuable to God. I wish I could just say it over and over for the whole sermon until you believe it. You are valuable to God. Look at your day. Why don't you just put your hand on your chest for a second and say, I am, I am valuable, valuable to God. And if I was the only one in trouble, God would still come looking for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's how valuable you are to God. That if you were the only person having an issue, the only person having trouble, the only person in a situation, God would still come to you because God values one away with this idea that you have been forgotten and that God has pushed you off to the side and that nobody cares about you. The devil is a liar. You can have nobody care about you, but if God cares about you, that's the only person you need to care about where you are. God cares about bow to you and if you it may take you a while to get it but until you get it it does us no good to teach on prayer and teach on praise and to teach on giving and to teach on faith why because uh, what good is it to teach about prayer if you don't believe God answers them what good is it for us to teach about praise if you don't believe God inhabits them what good is it for us to teach about giving if you don't think God responds to it? What good is it for us to teach you about faith if you don't believe God is powerful enough to see your faith and respond to your situation and change it forever and amen? We need you to understand God thinks you are valuable. And not just God, 
but all of heaven thinks you're valuable. He is showing us that it's not just the one that God thinks or Jesus thinks or the Spirit. All of heaven thinks you're valuable. Somebody say amen. amen. Let me show you what I mean. I got me a $10 bill. Come on, somebody. I got a 10. I was going to do a 20. I thought about it again and said, let me just do the 10. Come on, somebody. I got to get that gas money. Come on, somebody. I got a $10 bill. How much is this $10 bill worth? It's not a trick question. $10. I just crumpled this $10 bill. I just wrinkled this $10 bill. How much is it worth? I just threw that on the ground. I let it fall. I had no regard for it. I just stomped on it. I'm abusing it. I'm hurting it. It's experienced pain at the lowest level. How much is it worth? Hold this microphone. I got this $10 bill. Let me pull out my marker. Mm -hmm. I am defacing this bill. I am devaluing this bill. I am telling this bill it is not what it thinks it is. How much is it worth? I have this bill, and I have ripped this bill. I have broken this $10 bill. It looks like it's not repairable. But according to the U.S. government, if at least half this bill is still intact, it's still worth I'm trying to tell somebody, no matter who stomped on you, who wrinkled your life, who held you back, I don't care who abused you, who molested you, who threw you down, who disregarded you, I don't care who talked about you bad and who gossiped about you, I don't care who devalued you and said you would do it, I don't care who broke you and what broke you, to God this morning, you are still valuable. I wish I had somebody that who knew how valuable you would throw up your hands and give God some praise and make every devil mad and every demon nuns upset that you are still valuable. Ooh, I feel something right there. I just set somebody free who's been holding on to a decade of pain. You've been holding on to something somebody said and something somebody did, but the word of the Lord over your life is you are valuable to God. You don't lose value because of what you went through. And let me take it a step deeper. You don't get value only when you're found. The coin was a coin, was valuable when it was lost and when it was found. When it had some dust on it, when it was behind the couch, when it was messed up, jacked up. I know other people might have discounted it, but to God, the coin was the coin was the coin. The 10 was the 10 was a 10. And God told me to tell you, you're a 10, baby. You're a 10. You're a 10. You were worth saving. You got some value. Am I preaching to anybody? Let me hurry. Point number one. This text teaches us about individual value. How much God and heaven values one soul. But it's deeper than individual value. 
Because the text says, what woman having 10 coins loses one? If you think she just got some 10 pennies in her pocket, you missed this. The 10 coins here is what's called the drachma. It would be the equivalent of the wedding ring. This woman had her whole life she would have worn it across her forehead or draped it off of her neck and it was a declaration to everybody around her i'm taken that i am spoken for come on somebody and and, and to lose the coin she wouldn't have just questioned individual value she would have been thrown into a frenzy over the sentimental value point number two you don't just have value you have sentimental value to God. The tragedy in most churches is we will teach you more of how to love God than teaching you how much God loves you. That's why people get awkward in church. Because the minute that the attention turns from you giving him praise and then him turning around and starting to tell you what you mean to him, People get awkward because we think God the Father is like maybe our earthly father. Or like somebody in our life who's let us down and disappointed us. But that devil is a liar as well. Because God loves you with the kind of love that is agape love. It is the kind of love that will keep coming and keep loving until you respond to it. God doesn't care where you've been or what you've been up to. You've got some sentimental value. Because before, I feel like preaching, before you were in the earth, uh, please remember you were in eternity in God. And you and God were having a love affair before you ever got here you are not the label you are not what they said about you you are not what they did to you God loves his children there is sentimental value God loves you with the kind of love that he had with Adam please know how much God valued what he had in Eden with Adam oh they walked together in the cool of the day there was nothing to cover, nothing to hide, no issue, no concern. He had sentimental value. And that's why the minute Adam sinned, God started. Come on, am I teaching this morning? God started the process of getting you back to where you were supposed to be. Not because of your individual value, but because of how much he loves being with you. You think you love God encounters? Please know God loves man encounters. He loves man encounters so much, he split the veil from top to bottom and then told you, I have missed you so much. Now come boldly into the throne of grace and now come boldly right into my presence. Why? Because I just miss being with my kids. I have missed touching my children and being near my own. There is sentimental Value. This would have been 10. This would have been like her wedding ring. And ladies, you lose your wedding ring? It is on like Donkey Kong. Oh, I know. I don't have a wedding ring. I know. My wife, can, can I do it? I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> a couple years ago, we had just gotten jobs. So we were out and about doing Carter things, you know. I took Natasha to dinner trying to be a good husband. Good daddy. And then I took her to the place, you know, trying to get them extra brownie points. I took her to Target. <laughs> I don't like it, but apparently, ladies, Target is like kryptonite. You just need it, want it. 
you go in for food and get a couch or something. I just, every time. And we were walking out of Target, and Natasha was finishing paying, and I had Jocelyn in the car, and I'm playing with Jocelyn. And I hear Natasha, which I rarely hear, I hear her start to cry, like frantic crying, like, oh, no, oh, my gosh. And I, that's not Natasha. So I turned around. Did somebody hit Natasha? <laughs> I, I'm saved, but I'm also... And I turned around, I said, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And she is in, I mean, frantic. She, I can't find my wedding ring. Oh, my Lord. I thought something had really bad, but apparently to the ladies, you lose that, you've lost everything. So we ran to Sam's Club. Everywhere he had been, we called. She's got the managers looking on the tape to see if she had the ring on and, you know, trying to figure it all out. I can, I'm sitting in the car driving, and behind me, she's sitting with Jocelyn crying and speaking in tongues. <laughs> God, I pray, help me. That's real. I'm not making it. Is that real? She is speaking in tongues. I said, if we don't find this ring, something bad's going to happen. All of a sudden, we're at Sam's, and Jocelyn's, uh, jo Jocelyn's sitting back there. She said, why is mommy crying? Natasha says, oh, no. I said, what? She said, I think I know where the ring is. <laughs> Last night, I took it off to clean it, and I left it in the solution that I was cleaning with. It's at home on the dresser. I got a heart attack. I don't know what's happening to me. I'm sweating. But you know why she was that upset? We could have bought another ring. It wasn't just the price. It was the moments attached to the peace. And that's what God thinks about you. God, it's not just about your price as an individual. Jesus paid it all. It's the sentimental value of every time you and God have ever connected about anything. The reason why he keeps coming after you is because you may forget, but God doesn't forget every encounter. Every time, watch this, you were at your bed, laying down on the floor, nobody around, and you said, God, I need you. Every time you were in the car with tears streaming down your face, and God, you said, God, I need you. And he met you right where you were. Baby, you don't have just individual value. There is some sentimental value. And this woman responds. I'm done. Every action and attitude from this woman, remember, who is also the type and shadow of the way God sees us. Every attitude and action from this place forward is showing how much, watch this, she wants it. And so the Bible says the first thing she did was she lit a candle. Because that's the first thing you're going to have to do to get your stuff back. Well, what's lighting the candle, Pastor Josh? To light the candle was a sign of opening up the Word of God and letting the revelation of the Word of God begin to illuminate the house. That's why you can't just go to every church or any church or watch just any podcast because you got to be in a place where the light is on. You got to be around some preachers uh, that know how to turn the light on. Come on, somebody. You got to get around some men of God and some women of God that every time you get around them, it's less opinion and more Holy Ghost inspiration. And you get the word that lights up the house. Uh, look at somebody say, I need a word.
I need a candle. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. The Bible says that the entrance of thy word gives light. God stood over top of a dark, empty world that looked like it didn't have anything going. And the first thing he said was, let there be be light. Why? Because if you got light, you got a chance. If you got a word, you got a shot. I don't care how dark it is. I'm preaching, y'all. I don't care how tough it is. I don't care what a doctor said or a person said. If you've got a word, the word of God will always triumph over the opinions of man. Lighting the candle is what made her able to see even in dark hours. You might be going through a dark situation, but you can light it up if you've caught a word. You can still be going through something tough and still seeking what God wants you to find in the situation if you've got a word. And the light just doesn't help you see. The revelation will help you see clearly. She said, I'm not going to search until I've turned the light on. She said, I'm not going to try to fix it until I know what God says about it. That's where some of us mess up in this room and that's why we're not rooted and that's why we're not growing and that's why there's no fruit is because we try to handle every situation without the light of God's word hanging over the situation itself. In the name of Jesus, I declare, you will not try to fix this thing on your own. The word of God is going to illuminate and bring clarity to what, to what situation you've been doing. It's going to show you. Watch this. And now, she said, I got the light. She said, now, I'm done. Give me the broom. Yeah, give me the broom. Where's that broom at? Yeah, where's that broom? Yeah. Illustrated sermon today. She said, now that I've got some revelation concerning this lost situation, I am not just going to stand there with the light on and do nothing. Because faith without faith without is dead. Don't expect God to do his part and then you not do your part and you still get the desired result. Don't expect God to speak and to move and you not have any type of something in it. Every once in a while when you get a word from God, you ought to go hunting a broom. You ought to go hunting a broom and say, God, if you're speaking, I'm working. I'm working. I'm working. I'm going to seek to find that very thing which was lost. Because when you take the light of the broom, the faith, the faith of the light, and the works of the broom, you have set yourself up to find what was lost. And here is my prayer for you today. My prayer for you today is sweep the house. Every once in a while, you have to get so fed up and so done with not having what you need for the season you're in that you have to be willing to fight for what you lost. 
this woman said I have gone too long without having what I need I have gone too far without having the thing that God promised me I am not going to go another day or another moment but I am going to fight until I get my stuff back I wonder if there's anybody in the room whether it's a lost child or your health or your mind or something that happened in church I wonder if there's anybody who would open up your mouth and declare to God God today I am grabbing the broom and I'm about to sweep this house sweep this house what does it mean Pastor Josh I'm going to serve again I'm going to get back involved in church I'm going to join a small group I'm going to lead again I'm going to stop letting church hurt dictate my feelings I'm going to get back involved in my kids life in my body in my health God I'm going to sweep house you know what my prayer is that the Holy Ghost while I've been preaching has begun to sweep this house for every lost person in this room who feels forgotten who feels unloved I've asked the Holy Spirit sweep this house until your joy comes back and your peace comes back until your confidence comes back. Can I go deep? Until his dreams for your life come back. I've asked him to sweep the house until every person starts to become awakened to the heart of God and the love of God towards you. I've asked God to sweep this house. Which leads me to my final point. I'm done. Y'all get anything from this? Individual value. Sentimental value of this text. But there's one more. The collective value in this text. What woman having ten loses one does not, watch this, light a, light a candle, sweep the house, search diligently. That word diligently is present tense, meaning it is continual. It never stops until. See, if you're going to fight for stuff you lost, you're going to have to have the mindset is out of I'm going to outlast every obstacle and every opposition and I will search until I find until is a marked point you don't know when you find it until you find it but until I find it I'm going to search come on somebody the collective value this is it this woman was saying I know I've got nine and some of us would say 90% is good 90% is all right to this woman, to our God, 90% is not enough. She knew that unless it was 10, it wasn't one. Don't miss that. Unless it was all, it wasn't all. And here's what the Lord told me to tell you. This is the final point. God told me to tell you that we aren't us without you. Some of you have sat on the sidelines and rightly so for a long time and a lot of years because of whatever you were fighting and facing. But Calvary can't be Calvary unless every piece is in place. 
Our outreach, as great as it is, can't be the greatest outreach it's supposed to be unless you're in your place. Our children's ministry can't effectively reach all the kids God wants to send until every person called to kids ministry is in their place. Our youth ministry is in revival, but it's not the extent of revival God wants to send. Why? Because there's still people who aren't in their place. Come on, somebody. Our worship team is phenomenal across all of our campuses. We got albums and great leaders, but we aren't who we're supposed to be until every man and every woman who calls this place home is in the place they are called to be. And God sent me to tell you that unless you decide to get out of the shadows and start to get back in the light until you get found and get back involved, we are going to be doing good, but we won't see what God promised. And the word of the Lord is, is that he is sweeping the house for every lost coin so that he can put it back in place. Not just for us but for your life. You aren't you. The real you. Until you get some stuff back in place. As the praise and worship team comes. I've been here for almost seven years. Hard to believe. But I look at some of you from the first day I saw you to today and all that you fought and faced. And if you're not careful, life will make you feel lost. Some of you had so much joy when I first came. So much peace. But you went through some stuff. I'm telling you, God is trying to root you down. But he can't root you down until you let him find you Holy Spirit sweep this house come on just close your eyes and slip up your hands for a second sweep this house show us what we lost along the way show us what dropped Show us what fell. Show us what's not where it needs to be. Show us. Show us. Sweep it. Sweep it. I, I, just, I just want to give the Holy Spirit a moment to sweep. Sweep. Is, is it your joy? Is it your happiness? Is it your laughter? What have you lost in this last season? He is sweeping. Let him sweep it. Sweep. Sweep the house. Sweep the house. Sweep the house, Holy Ghost. Sweep it, God, until, until resurrection power hits. Sweep it till revival. Sweep it. Sweep it. Sweep the house. Sweep this stage, God, until you remind us of every promise that you have for our life. God, in fact, thank you, Holy Ghost. God is about to remind you of promises from a long time ago. Come on. Just, just focus in on the Lord for just a second. He is reminding you of everything he said to you and you forgot and it got lost and you thought it was going to be gone forever but God sent this preacher in to tell you he is sweeping the house so that in this season you'll be able to see I was finishing the preparation for this message and I could hear Jocelyn playing you can look up here, Pastor Josh, for a second. I could hear Jocelyn playing. And I started to think about how I almost lost my dream 
of being a daddy. I started to hear that little voice laugh and play and jump. And God began to remind me of how good he is of sweeping the house so that you don't lose what he has destined for you to have. And I was sitting there and I had tears coming down my cheeks. And all of a sudden, I just started singing. I just felt this song just jump. When I thought I lost me, you knew where I left me. You reintroduced me to your love. And you picked up all my pieces and you put me back together. You are my defender of my heart. And when I thought I lost me, you knew where I left me. You reintroduced me to your love. And you picked up all my pieces. And you put me back together. You are the And God's doing the same for you. When I thought I lost me, come on, stand to your feet all across. That's to sweep the house. I asked the Lord who he wanted me to minister to today. And he said, Josh, today I'm after every lost coin in this house. With every head bowed and every, every eye closed. You're in this room today. And you feel lost. Some of you are lost in your soul. You're far from God. And you need to take the first step of being rooted. And that is giving your life to the root of Jesse. But there are some of you in this room. You have felt like you have been living life in the dark. That was until the light of this word began to come over top of your life. So here's what we're going to do. For just a moment, as the prayer team comes, you're in this room, and I'm just going to take a moment to do it. If you feel wounded and hurt and lost, neglected and thrown away, and 
you say something about this word made me know that God still has value. On the count of three, I want you to get out of your seat and this prayer team's going to help you. And we're just going to pray for just a moment. I feel the Lord. One, hallelujah. Two, people are already coming. Come on, help me pray. Three, if that's you, get out of your seat and come, 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 come. Every rejected person, every person that's been hurt by what somebody did and what somebody said. Can, can I minister to something real quick? I want to speak to every disappointed person. You thought it was going to go one way and it went another. You thought you'd be further by now and doing more by now, but you're disappointed by what happened. Get to this altar. Our prayer team is here. Come, come. Come on, I'm going to give you 15 seconds. I want to speak to disappointed people. Frustrated people. Come on, I bet if you clap, they'll come. Come on, I bet if you clap, they'll come. Come on, there is no shame. The light is on. You have value and God sees you. Now here it is. If you're in this room and you're far from God in your soul, you say, Pastor Josh, I am not where I need to be with God at all. I don't understand this altar thing. I don't, all I know is I need this Jesus who sees me valuable, this seeking Savior. If I'm talking to you with every hip out, every eye closed, you know you got to get it right with you and God. On the count of three, slip your hand up. One, two, three. You got to get it right with God. I see hands going up all across the room. Yes, yes, yes. Get it right. Don't, don't go another day. Don't go another hour. Don't go another minute. I want every person to put your hand on your heart and lift your hand to heaven. We're about to say a prayer. There is no power in this prayer, only in the heart that believes it. God is about to root some people down this morning so that you can grow up in the things of God. Hands lifted, one hand on your chest. We're going to say it together. Say, Jesus, Jesus thank you, thank you for, being for being my Savior, my Savior. And, for and for seeking me, me who is lost. Who is lost. I, ask I ask you now to save me, to, save to, lift, me up, to lift me up, and to change me, and to change me from the inside out. By your spirit. I'm sorry for my sin. And I ask you to forgive me now. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Now, Lord, I promise from this day forward to serve you with all my heart, my mind, and my strength. I am yours in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody say amen. Listen, I'm about, we're about to sing. I just want us in this room to slip up our hands to heaven. There's about to be some ministry that happens. And if, if you could, just hang with us. You see, hang with us for just a few minutes. Just worship. Because here's what I feel like is going to happen. is God's going to give these folks some ministry. But you're going to be sitting right there in your seat. And God's going to start illuminating some things to you. He's going to begin to remind you of things that you had forgotten about a long time ago. So give me three minutes in this room, and then we're going to dismiss you. But I want you, every person, lift up your hands. Pastor John, 
I want you to sing. And as he sings, prayer team, I want you to pray for as many people as you can pray for. And if you're sitting there in your seat, come on, just worship with us. Are you ready? Go ahead, Pastor John. Take us in. Come on, all across this room. Come on, let him sweep the house. Come on, let him sweep the house. Let him show you. He's going to give you strategy. He's about to give you victory. You're not going to be the same person you were when you came in today. God is illuminating. Let him show you. Come on, with every hand lifted, every voice raised. God is picking up the pieces. He is picking up the pieces. for just a moment. Thank you for joining us for today's message. You can continue to be part of all that God is doing here at Calvary Christian Center. You can text to give at 386-866-3060 or you can visit calvaryfl.com slash give. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast and also to share this podcast with your community, your family, and your friends. You can also stay connected by following us on social media at Calvary FL and by subscribing to our YouTube channel. Again, thank you for joining us.